We're in a series right now just called His Church. It is His Church. We need to know that because I will tell you there's all kinds of churches in the world today. Uh, there's the form and formality church. There's that entertainment church. So that was really popular right now. There's the club church. There's the social church. There's Mac church where you can have it your way. But we need to know what His church is really supposed to be like we need to know what the Scripture says about his church. One day, Charlie Brown was all depressed. He's so depressed and despondent because he feels like his life has no meaning and purpose. He's so desperate that he goes to Lucy's psychiatric booth. And he says, you've got to help me. My life has no meaning, no purpose. She tells him, Charlie Brown, it's simple you got to figure out where your deck chair is on the cruise ship of life. Some people have their deck chair on the back of the boat looking at where they've been. Anybody there? Some people have their deck chair on the front of the boat looking at where they're going. Charlie Brown, it's simple. you got to figure out where your deck chair is. Charlie Brown thinks for a minute and he says, I've never been able to get my deck chair unfolded. And that's where a lot of churches are, a lot of people are, I think, that they just don't really have a clue. They don't really understand their meaning and their purpose in life. And I'm telling you that we as a church, we got to know what it is that we're about, why we're here. I mean, we know where we've been. We've been to the cross and we've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And we know where we're going. We're going to spend eternity with the Lord. But what about the right here and the right now? What are we supposed to be doing? You know what? It's not really vague or ambiguous in the Scripture. Our Lord and Savior made it clear for us. He gave us a mission. We call it the Great Commission. It's Matthew 28, 19, and 20. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Before he left this world, he made it very clear what our meaning, what our purpose was here. He gave this mission to us to reach people. He wants us to make disciples. And we need to be focused on that on the mission that Jesus gave us for the church. If we get sidetracked and distracted by other things, we fail to really do what God wants us to do. We can't get caught up in something else and, and that mission be pushed aside. The Lord Jesus who said, follow me, He's always our example. He was a man on a mission. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He knew what His mission was. And I want you to know, we need to know what our mission is. The church, the Bible says, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. You see, this is the mission, the purpose of the church is that we would reach people. You see, the church, we're advancing on the gates of hell as a mighty army. We're not just holding the fort. 
We're not just hanging on until Jesus comes back. No, we're not a part of some bless me club, but we are an army engaged in a battle for the eternal souls of men and women and young people and children. That's what we're doing here. That's why we're still here. We need to know this. This is why the church is here in the earth today. is so that we can do the Lord's work and reach people and make disciples. If we don't understand that the ultimate goal and purpose of the church is to reach people, we end up just entertaining ourselves until He comes. This is what we're really about is reaching people. We are a church on a mission. And our mission is to make disciples. It is to see changed lives. Let's remember Jesus said there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents than 99 just people. But you know, a lot of the time, 99 righteous people, we can get together and we say, oh, this is great, this is just great. You know what makes it way, way better? One sinner that repents. That's when heaven rejoices. Heaven gets happy. And I'm telling you, we need to realize how important this is to our Father. What is the mission of the church? There was a survey done some years ago. They surveyed about a thousand churches, and they asked the members, why does the church exist? 89% of the members said, the church exists to meet my needs and my family's needs. The other 11% said, the church exists to reach the world. They surveyed those same churches, they surveyed the pastors, and it was almost exactly opposite. 90% of the pastors said, the church exists to reach the world. 10% said the church is here to meet the needs of the members. And what that tells me is that us pastors have done a terrible job of communicating why the church is here and what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to reach the world. We're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples. I want to say it very plainly today. Our mission is to reach as many as we can. Jesus is building His church, and we get to be part of that. And you know, sometimes it seems like at churches we have a lot of activity, and yet we're not really pursuing the one thing that's the most important thing. And you know, it's kind of like this old story about uh, these two city employees. One of them, he's digging holes and he digs a hole and digs and digs digs a hole and then the next guy comes along he fills the hole in and they do, doing the next hole he digs a hole they're working real hard and the next he the other guy comes along he fills it in there's a bystander watching this craziness and he's like what is going on and so he asks him he says i see how hard you guys are working but i don't understand what you're doing you dig a hole and then he fills it in and one of the guys said, yeah, that must look pretty funny. But see, the, the guy that plants the tree is sick today. Whole lot of activity going on, but nothing really happening. 
And I just want to tell you, we're not about just working hard and having a lot of activity. It's about the master's commission. He gave us a mission. Go and make disciples. And that's what we want to be doing is making disciples, seeing lives truly changed. See, to a lot of people, I think church just kind of turns into a religious exercise that makes them feel better and helps them cope with life. It ought to be about fulfilling God's purpose and He's building His church, gathering a people together to be His people for all eternity. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen, gates don't move. We're supposed to be advancing on the gates of hell. We shouldn't be in a defensive position. We're going out into this world to win the loss, to see lives changed, to see people's hearts turned to the Lord. You just need to realize, all of us need to realize this, that if you know the Lord, you have what they need. I mean, we have the answers. I mean, you might not know much, but if you know the Lord... You know more than the smartest lost person. You got something that they need. I, I, I just, you know, I wouldn't want to do life without the Lord. I, I got saved pretty young, turned my life over to the, Lord, to the Lord pretty young, but I still remember what it was like, you know, to know about the Lord, but to not really have a close relationship with God. I would never want to do life without the Lord. And you realize how many people are trying it? They're just kind of doing the best they can. And some of them believe in God, but they're not close to God. They're trying to do it without the Lord. They need what we have. We're so blessed. You, Jesus said, freely you've received, now freely give. And I want to tell you, if what we have is so good... Well, we need to share it with the world. They need to know the peace that we have. There's so many people that need peace. The joy that we have, so many need joy. There's so many that are bound up in some way, us who have been set free. Listen, they need what we have. There's so many. Listen, we know we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus. So many that need to know that forgiveness, the freedom from condemnation, that their past sins have been washed by the blood of Jesus. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. There's a lot of darkness in this world, but when the light comes, darkness is dispelled. It doesn't matter how great the darkness, when you turn the light on, it just goes. It's not a battle. It's not a struggle. The darkness goes. There's a lot of Christians that are afraid of the dark. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You say, oh, it's bad in this world. It's just bad. It's getting darker and darker and darker. You are the light of the world. And when you are the light of the world and you go into a dark place, into a dark world, you shine bright for Jesus. I tell you, the darker it gets in this world, the more that those who are truly living for God shine. 
Isaiah 61 and 2, 60 verses 1 and 2 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. Now that passage was prophetic of Zion, but I believe it's also prophetic of the church, that we're supposed to arise and shine as the people of God, the light of the world. And the world will see that our God is real. Well, we don't hide out from the dark like little kids, you know, afraid of the dark. No, we have a message that we need to share with the world. We got to rise up and move forward as a mighty army, not to take over the world, to reach the world. That's what we want to do. See, it's important that we understand that. But some believers have this this attitude, this mentality. They, they get all mad and they want to fight over political issues. They rant and rave and even quote scriptures about this issue and that issue. And yet somehow, they don't talk about the one that saved their soul. They don't tell their story of what God has done for them. They don't share the good news that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins because He loves you and He wants a relationship with you. They don't simply witness for the Lord and talk about how good God is. We need to get this right. This is our mission and what we're supposed to be doing. we got to talk to people about Jesus. Talk about the one that died on the cross. The one who loves us so much. You know, Jesus was never political. He wasn't interested in standing up against Caesar. He didn't try to take down Pilate. In no way did he set himself in opposition to try to get Herod. These wicked leaders. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. And there were those at one time that wanted Jesus to be king. And listen to this, what happened. In John 6, 14 and 15, it says, Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, Truly, the prophet... Who is he is the prophet who is coming to the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. See, that's not why he came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we need to remember what our mission is. Our mission is to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ, that he loved them and he died for them. Our focus has to be to reach people with the gospel, the good news. In Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel, the good news, has the power to change lives in it. 
That's how you change somebody's life is with the gospel. And when enough lives are changed, it changes culture. It can change a nation. It's happened before in history when there were great revivals. So many people turned to God and it changed the nation. It can happen in our day. But how's it going to happen? With the gospel. It is the message of good news. He paid the price so we could be close to Him. There's a God who loves you so much. He sent His Son to die on the cross so that you could be with Him for eternity. Our righteous indignation, I want to tell you, it doesn't save anybody. It is the kindness and the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. It's Romans 2.4. I'm just telling you that, you see, we have to communicate that to people. I heard about one guy, you know, I guess there's been uh, quite a few of these in history, but I heard about a guy, he said that he served God because he was afraid of hell. Well, that is a miserable existence. I served God because He loved me. He gave Himself for me, and I love Him. That's why I serve God. I don't serve God because I'm afraid of hell. I serve God because I want to go to heaven and be with my Savior for eternity. And I'm just telling you, we need to communicate to this world the love of God, the goodness of God that will win them and bring them to repentance. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the best news ever. Our job is to tell people, You're going to hell. That's the worst news you could ever tell somebody. No, we tell them the good news. A lot of the time the message the church has given to the world is that you're bad and the things you do are bad. That's what they're hearing. Maybe that's not our intention, but a lot of the time that's what they think our message is, is that they're bad and the things they do are bad. That's not our message. Our message is that God loves you and He paid the price for your sin on the cross so you could be close to Him and have a real relationship with Him. That's our message. Our message (laughs) cannot be stop sinning and be good so you can be a Christian like me. Stop sinning and be good so you can be like me. That is a religion of works. And if that, you think that's how you're saved, you're not even saved. Because I want to tell you, we all come this way just as I am. Because we are all part of Adam's race. We were all born into sin. Every stinking one of us. We all need the blood of Jesus. And then, it's Jesus with the washing of the water of the Word, Ephesians 5 says, and by the work, the the sanctification of the Holy Spirit working in us. He changes us. He cleans us up. But it's Him that does the cleaning. It's Him that changes our lives. I want you to know, I'm not talking about cheap grace. 
It's very expensive grace bought by the blood of Jesus, but the price has been paid. It's not okay to live in sin. Grace isn't a license for immorality, but grace gives us the power to put the past behind and to get free from those old sins. And then we do good works because we're saved. But we got to get the right order here. We get saved, and then we do good works. You don't do good works to get saved. Stop sinning and be good like me, and you can be a Christian. It's not working. What works is they accept Jesus, and they believe in Jesus, and God will change their life. I want to go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19, and I'm going to read this from the NIV. It just is a little simpler. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We use the word reconciled today. You know, when a husband and wife are having trouble, maybe they even separate, and then they work things out and they get back together, the relationship is restored. We say, they reconciled. That is exactly what God is doing through the Lord Jesus Christ. Ever since the fall of man in the garden, there's been a break in the relationship between God and man. But God has made a way for us to be restored, for us to be reconciled with Him so that we can have a real relationship with Him for all eternity. And He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the church's ministry, is to see people restored in their relationship with God. Whether they've never known Him or they've been away from Him, to see people restored in relationship with God. Verse 19 says, "...and that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and He has committed to us the message of reconciliation." Here's the message. It is a message of reconciliation that God wants to be close to you. God wants a real relationship with you. The message of reconciliation. See, that's our mission is to see people restored in a relationship with God. Let's go to one more verse there, verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, we all, as the church, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are His representatives in this world. And it's important how we conduct ourselves, how we live, we're representing the Lord. But I want you to see this, that he says, on Christ's behalf. You see, we're talking to people for the Lord. He says, we implore you. You see, we allow God to use us as his representatives to talk to people about the Lord and tell them that he loves them and he wants to help them in their life. to be reconciled to God. Our mission is to take His message to the world. That's our mission. 
you know, when a minister goes to a foreign country to share the gospel, we call him a missionary. Why? Because he's on a mission. The church is always on a mission. And we need to take it personally as a part of the body of Christ. Each one of us, we ought to be just as much on a mission. You know, the the missionary might be full-time in ministry. He might be a vocational minister. But we need to understand that all of us are a part of this mission. He didn't just call a handful. No, it's the body of Christ. It's all of us together to carry out this mission. We shouldn't just, you know, we're making a living and living out our days. You know, we raise the kids and, you know, hope for retirement someday. And then we get to go to be with the Lord. All that's wonderful. But we have a mission that we can't ever just lay aside and live out our days. See, we all have meaning and purpose in this, that God wants to use us to make a difference in eternity. And somebody is going to be there or not. We have to fulfill God's purpose in our life. He sent us on a mission. Every alcoholic, every drug user, every teenager, every child, every person in a nursing home, wherever you go, whoever you are, I want you to know you have a mission to tell people God cares about you and He wants to be close to you. And there's so many in our culture who have known the Lord and, you know, one time they were serving God and now they're away from God. They're not really serving Him anymore. And we need to tell them, He wants you back. He wants to be close to you again. One person sins once a month. I'd like to be that guy, just saying. Another guy, he sins every day. Now, on the basis of their actions, on the basis of their actions, which one is right with God? Neither. But somehow, sometimes we kind of get this self-righteous attitude. We need to remember that we all need God's grace. He's still working on us. He's still cleaning us up. He's still sanctifying us. But I just want you to realize this and understand this. The problem, the real issue is not their sin. In fact, we read a few moments ago, He's not counting their sins against them. Jesus is taking care of their sin, but without Him, they're hopelessly lost. But when they come to Him... Their sin is not the problem anymore. Do you understand? Jesus saves us and He cleans us up. Y'all got quiet there. But I'll tell you that grace gives people the power to change, to get free from the shackles, the bondage. Religion shackles people to the past. But God's grace breaks those shackles. Jesus told the disciples, He says, I make you fishers of men. I like to fish a little. 
when I'm catching. I don't really like to fish. I like to catch. But, you know, that's fun. But have you ever tried to clean the fish before you catch them? That's stupid. I'm sorry, is that harsh? Some of you, that, I know some of you, that's a curse word. I'm sorry. That ain't smart. How about that? You can't clean fish before you catch them. And yet that's the way a lot of people think that you share the gospel. You got to clean them up so we can get them saved. No! You get them to come to Jesus. And here's the great deal. We don't have to clean them. He cleans them. Now, God uses people sometimes. Sometimes he might use some old preacher in the pulpit. But I'm just telling you that it's the Holy Spirit that does the cleaning. We just bring them to Jesus. See, we need to get our message right, get our focus right here, that our message is to take the good news to people. Every day, we ought to have this mindset. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. And even me, I can touch somebody's life today in some way. If we have this mindset, you see, if we realize there's a purpose today. I'm here. I'm living this day for a reason. I'll tell you, so often we'll, we'll find ourselves, we'll end up getting used by God in some way. If we just can't allow ourselves to be so distracted with all the other stuff of life. He has a mission for us every day. You know, Sometimes it seems like it's mission impossible. Like you just can't get it done. But with God, all things are possible. That statement is absolutely true. Jesus said that with God, all things are possible. And we use that promise in all kinds of ways. And it's absolutely right because it's absolutely true. Whatever impossibilities you, you face in life, with God, all things are possible. But I want you to understand what Jesus was specifically talking about when he said, with God, all things are possible. In Matthew chapter 19, a rich man comes to Jesus and he asks what he needs to do to have eternal life. And Jesus tells him, go sell what you have and give to the poor and then come follow me. And the Bible says that the man just went away sad because he had great wealth. And I'm going to pick it up in verse 23 of Matthew 19. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Not a very popular concept, still true. Jesus said, not me, Jesus said it's hard for the rich to be saved. Can the rich be saved? Yes! With God, all things are possible. Can the poor? Yes! Can the drug dealer be saved? Yes, with God all things are possible. Can the drunk be saved? Anybody know a drunk? Can they be saved? Yes. Can the homosexual be saved? 
Yes! I knew a Pharisee one time that said a homosexual couldn't be saved. He never read the Bible, I guess. Because the Bible's in one of those passages where it talks about the homosexual, it says, and such were some of you. They got saved. I'm just telling you, it's some of the worst of the worst, some of those people that you think, oh, that'd be so hard to reach. With God, all things are possible. But the truth is, let me ask you this. Can an old religious person be saved? Yes. Why? Because with God, all things, even Pharisees, they can get saved. With God, all things are possible. But here's the truth. You see, a lot of the time, the people that we think are so bad, they're some of the easier ones to reach. I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes the person who thinks that they're morally good and that, you know, they got a little religion, I'm telling you, they can be the hardest to reach. You know how I know that? Jesus told the religious leaders in Matthew 21, 31, He said, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. I bet that went over good. See, the one you think is the worst, they're ready. They may be the quickest to come to God. We ought to be looking for the down and out, the one that's stressed out, the one who's lost their way, and be ready to share our story and talk to them about the Lord, to pray with them. Now, I want to just shift gears just a little bit here. I want to talk to you about the vision of Grace Church Making disciples ought to be a part of the vision of every church. And we want to do that to the best of our ability. And I encourage you individually to share the Lord with others in whatever way that you can. But our vision is to reach people. See, we're here to see lives changed, to make a difference, to disciple people. We're not here to play church and have some nice services. We're here to be salt and light to this world and to help people come to the Lord. We want to see lives turned around. We want to see marriages restored. We want to see people healed and set free. Set free from addiction, from depression, from fears of all kinds. We want to see them set free. We want to see people who are empty, who are searching, find God. We want to see their lives changed. As a church, we want to be focused on the things that have proven to be the most effective at making disciples. Now, the vast majority of those who get born again and stay in church, 75% of those that get born again and stay in church came to the Lord through somebody they know, whether it was somebody in their family or a friend or a neighbor or it was somebody they met at the bank or the restaurant or they met, you know, when they went to their kid's ball game, but it's somebody that they know, 75% came to the Lord through somebody that they know. I'm talking about people that get born again and get in a church and are disciples. And here's the thing. I think it's important for us to understand this because there's a deception here. It's not mass evangelism. It's not TV evangelism that's going to get it done. 
You see, that's been talked about a lot, like, like oh, the, it's going all over the world and everybody's going to know. I want to tell you that only 1% comes to the Lord through TV evangelism. The vast majority, they come through you talking to your friends and neighbors and acquaintances and people that you meet and get to know. That's the, the Lord's way. It's all of us working together. And the problem is, is that sometimes we start thinking that it's, it's this big name, you know, it's this person, it's these pers- this personality, it's this person that has a lot of influence. And I'm not, I'm not taking any way, anything away from that. I thank God for the big personality and big influence. But I'm just saying, we, we can't get deceived about this where we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. You matter in the plan and purpose of God. You have a place. Every one of us. It's not about big events and personalities. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached. He was a big personality. 3,000 got saved. Can God do that? Yes, He can. 3,000 were saved that day. But let me tell you what happened after those 3,000 got saved. They went from house to house, breaking bread, praying together. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. You know what that sounds like to me? A small group. That's exactly what that was. They went from house to house. Their houses were probably smaller than our den in most of our houses today. Their whole house would fit in our den. And yet they went from house to house, meeting together, fellowshipping with one another, learning and growing. You see, they were discipling. We need to understand how important it is that we have relationships in the body of Christ and we have relationships. You see, when when people get saved, when people turn to the Lord, that we, we get a hold of those people and we help them grow in the Lord and we see them discipled, see them serving God. A changed life. That's somebody that gets born again And they dedicate their life to serving God. They get involved. And they themselves get involved in the work of the ministry. They themselves begin to help disciple other people. That's a truly changed life. Part of our vision as a church is to have strong children and youth ministries. And I believe that that is one I know, I say I believe, I believe and know, that is the most fruitful area of ministry. In our country, the vast majority of people that come to know the Lord do so before they're 25. And so I believe that's something that this church is very effective at. We have a great youth group. We have a great children's ministry. And lives are being changed all the time. 
And I'm so thankful for that. But I want you to understand that part of our vision also is that we make disciples through personal relationships. I want you to know we support all kinds of ministries and missions and believe in those things. Here for us as a church, we believe that it's the most important thing we can do is those personal relationships that we're reaching out to people and that we're helping people in their walk with the Lord. One of the best ways to do that is to get involved in a small group. It's just a great way to be involved. And you know, I think sometimes with small groups, you know, it can be uncomfortable to, especially if you don't know the people, it can be kind of uncomfortable to join. But let me just tell you this, that you'll grow. That's why we actually call them growth groups. You'll grow. And you'll be strengthened by those relationships. You'll find, many times you'll find the best friends that you ever had. Now, some people say, you know what, I don't need that. It ain't just about you. Somebody might need you. I mean, if you're all that, if you're that strong, I'll tell you, there are some people that need you. But I encourage you today to prayerfully get signed up for a group. Be a part of that. But most of all today, I challenge all of you. Find meaning and purpose in this. That God wants to use you to help build His church, to reach people, to make disciples to see somebody's life changed for eternity. Stand with me. We're going to pray. I want prayer partners to come.